0: Welcome back. We're back for part two of our monthly session at the Steel Yard under Cannon Street in the City of London. Part two was who will own the future of insurance? And we gave our panel several topics to choose from. Will it be the incumbents? Will it be InsureTech? Will it be Big Tech? Will it be ecosystems? Will it be the brokers? Will it be others? And now I'm going to hand it over to the speakers and they're going to give you their views.
1: Hello again. Who will own the future of insurance? Dyson. Oh no, sorry, got my lines wrong. Um, let's think of first of all about other industries and who has owned them. So the Hoover industry. While well, Hoover was busy doing disastrous promotional campaigns and choosing what different colours they can make a vacuum cleaner, dyson Dyson was completely reimagining how you could build a vacuum cleaner. Let's pick mobile phones. While Nokia was making them smaller and slicker, Apple was obviously coming up with a smartphone. And then if we think about the airline industry, it wasn't changing at all. We've got all of the traditional airlines, flag carriers, doing the same thing. Southwest Airline completely rethinks how to, to run an airline company and invents the low-cost airline so the question is all of these companies have challenged the deeply held assumptions who is really doing that in insurance it's ripe for disruption we all know that but who is actually challenging the assumptions the incumbents at the moment are tweaking at the edges the insurtechs are nibbling so maybe it is dyson so let's just take you through a bit of the logic that we've been working on for for, for a lot of this so we've done a lot of work in terms of thinking about the mega trends what's going on with that everyone will be familiar with that sort of thing and then seven disruptive forces that we see in insurance so firstly what we're seeing with excess capacity and the fact that alternative capital is now a hundred billion dollars so capital isn't a huge part of you know the core bit bit of uh, of this but you know you've got to be using all of that Distribution. We've been talking about brokers uh, already. Um, To what extent are aggregators really making inroads? For example, in commercial insurance. And it is starting to happen. So medium-sized companies, two years ago only 4% of medium-sized enterprises were buying insurance through aggregators. It's now jumped up to 16%. So we're starting to see some progress. Thirdly, emerging risks, and this is one of my biggest gripes on the previous debate, the, the, the failing customers. So cyber insurance is one of the best parts of insurance now. It's starting to, to, to motor. It's $4 billion of, of insurance has been written, and that should rise to something like uh, $22 billion by 2024. There's a trillion dollars of risk in cyber at the moment. So it's a drop in the ocean in terms of what the insurance industry is really solving for. The emerging risks of, of business interruption, reputational damage, You know, there's huge white space there. In terms of products to solutions, I'm sure everyone's going to talk about prevention to re- response, that's a huge drive, and collaboration, data and analytics. And then my favorite one holding us all back at the moment is the fact that business models are changing far quicker than operating models. Everyone's tied down by the legacy systems, they're processes and, yes, they're people. So with those disruptive forces, we're seeing everyone try and challenge them. There's, we're seeing what we're calling battlegrounds, where actually the, this blurring of the lines between the traditional six categories that you've been given. Brokers are underwriting, underwriters are trying to get into distribution, reinsurers are moving up the chain, you've even got ILSs coming up to, to work with MGAs and, and try and get into the distribution game. So it's confusion all over the place. So I think we've got to move beyond the, the current strap lines. And when we think about those battlegrounds, ultimately driving to the, some of the conclusion in the interest of time, is those who are orchestrating the solution of the customer's need are going to be the answer. So in those examples that I started off with, it was, the, it was those companies that the customers turn into, even if it's all outsourced at the back end, and is responsible for the problem, not, for the solution. In insurance, the brokers seem reticent to move back up the chain, as do price comparison websites at the moment. So, that, but those companies who can tie it all together, beef, for example, like someone like Dell, who's owned PC manufacturing for, for, for a, did own it for a decade, Vanguard in asset management the customer sees them as the answer that even if at the back end there's a whole um, orchestration element to, to provide. Um, I think I'll stop there in the interest of time, but uh, interesting. The answer to the question, those who, own the, those who own the customer, at the moment people aren't being bold enough, any of the any of the people on the line. I think it's who has got the, the biggest will, will will win. I think if I was to put on the spot, we're going to see it bitten... Um, In different... Let's pick car insurance, for example. We're going to see someone like Tesla. They're just going to wrap insurance into their service offering. Insurance is just going to be white-labeled at the back end. So if I had to place a bet, I'd say the non-traditional players are going to start eating away at bits of insurance. Paul, thank you very much.
0: Uh, We've got a couple of new new faces in the second half. Um, Up next is Ben Potts, who's the managing director of Novidea. And our sponsor today, um, Ben, come and give us your view. Okay, so um, it's been interesting. Firstly, in the first session, just sitting
2: there listening, um, around everyone's views around customers and is insurer getting it right as the customer. Um, It all comes down to exceeding expectations. So, who's going to own the future of insurance? Um, And to me. Uh, all of the different stakeholders that Robin mentioned—it's um, it, all of them. It, it's not the insurer. It's um, you know talk there around um, you know disintermediation of the distribution chain, and it's every single one of those stakeholders has a place to play, um, and it's how they do that. Um, to me, it's um, it's uh, how they're exceeding the expectations of the customer, the businesses of the future who are exceeding expectations, who are uh, making themselves more accessible to do business with who are, um, yeah, just giving experience not just to their, their customers, but partners, to um, their own employees as well. It's those guys that are going to be successful. Um, I'm a technology guy. It's an Instec room. So I'm, I'm, Robin said, you know, where I'm going to sort of pin my, my thoughts, and it's around um, big technology. Um, when when as a business, we're not actually a big technology provider. But um, big technology to me is where... We look at the existing place where all insurance companies and brokers, anyone across the spectrum that um, the guys just mentioned, they, are, um, they look at a world through deep functional needs. It's a complex business. So in the complex business we're living in, they look at um, a need for complexity. Um, and through that, generally it's a case of do I build technology or do I um, go and buy technology from an existing proprietary vendor? Um, and you do that, and you look at the customer questions, and is it meeting the needs of expectations of our of our industry? Um, and I don't think it is, um, and it isn't because we're, um, you know, our, our customers are talking around. Um, we sit in lots of meetings where it's in in, a, in a, um, the Internet of Things, it's deep analytics, it's wanting to be able to access things everywhere, it's being accessible, and the technologies that we um, use within our industry um, don't, don't don't provide that. And then you look at other industries in our marketplace, away from our marketplace. Um, Gartner did a great uh, Matic Quadrant review of of the cloud-based providers, where we're told as an industry we need to be. And if you look at those, that's a marketplace that's gone from 2014 uh, and a Gartner report where there was lots of visionaries, not very many um, leaders within that space. And in four years, there's twice the number of that were visionaries, now leaders, and very few visionaries. And what's happening is the rest of the world's kind of realizing to meet your expectations of your customers, technology has to move at a pace to do that and provide those things. Um, and when you look at those big cloud providers, you know, the Salesforce, the Oracles, all of those guys, the proprietary software that we sit on, the stuff we build ourselves on, on low budgets... Isn't going to compete with the hundreds of millions of dollars that those guys are spending. Those huge ecosystems of applications that allow you to do your customers to do anything they want to do because you are generally connected. You're generally using machine learning. You're not just doing little pockets of things. Um, and we just can't compete with that in the way that we deploy and use technology across our business. So it is a technology response, um, but for me. the businesses that are going to be the futures of insurance are going to be the ones that take that big technology stop building stuff stop going to small software houses and trying to use stuff that's proprietary they look at like the salesforce platforms the oracles you know those sort of big sort of enterprise applications as a services truly on the cloud where they embed that deep insurance knowledge that they know why this industry is so effective with our customers it's that knowledge that we know and all have it's embedding into that big technology And if you do that, then you've got the opportunity to meet the expectations of your customers. You've got to exceed them. You've got the ability to be more accessible. Um, And if you're doing those things, wherever you are in that distribution chain that was just described earlier, you will be the future of insurance.
0: Is that a vote for big tech? Good man. Thank you. I feel that we need uh, someone to defend their industry. Uh, Arslan, who's going to own your job in the next uh, few years?
3: I managed to find a bulletproof vest during the break so I feel a lot more confident now. But um, who's going to own the insurance industry in the future? Um, I think it'll be the provider or the providers that really fundamentally change the definition of insurance. Right? Today we still think of insurance as very siloed. Even up here we're talking about home insurance, we're talking about car insurance, we're talking about so I mean, if you start taking these different lenses, what about commercial insurance? What about the Lloyd's market? What about life insurance? What about pensions? There's so, it keeps going on and on and on, right? I think the real shift that needs to happen is what about before insurance and what about after insurance? So how do, how do we, as an insurance industry, help people not face that risk in the first place? How do we help them manage that risk to begin with? And what are we doing after the event? If, if that event still seems to happen, what do we do afterwards? Whoever solves that and solves... so the, I mean, let's, let's take an individual's example, right? We've talked a lot about personal lines and consumer business. The insurance policy I want, I don't even want five or six different policies. I want one. I don't care if I'm traveling on a plane or on a train or in a car or on a bike or on a motorcycle. I just want to be covered. And whoever solves that problem is going to be the winner. That may be big tech, that may be an insurance company, that may be an insure tech. One thing I'm sure of, though, is that a lot of people in this ecosystem, in the insurance and insure tech ecosystem, like, we're still looking at individual problems in a very silo-driven world. And I think we need to zoom out and start looking at the problem from end to end, from what a consumer really wants. I think with a lot of the sort of insure techs and so on, once you start hitting scale, you'll have the same problems that all the incumbents have. We've seen that time and time again. That you can say that about Google, you can say that about Amazon, about, there's n number of examples. So Instead of trying to battle in within these silos, let's try to step away and try to solve the problem on a bigger picture of how do we prevent risk to begin with, and if it still does happen, I'm sure the actuaries in here will have an opinion about this, that you know things do still happen, what do we do after that claim? And whoever solves that is going to be the winner. Thank, Thank you very you.
0: much, Austin. Thank you. I feel we should have an insurtech perspective again.
4: Ed, come on, do your thing. Thank you, folks. Interesting debate. Uh, <clears throat> and earlier it was very interesting. So who's going to win the future of insurance? <clears throat> again, Robin's probably not going to like this, but I think there could be multiple winners in, in and depends in the vertical. So Arslan talks about uh, protection rather than insurance or preventing... preventing uh, the need for insurance and the afterlife of insurance. We look at it slightly differently and we, we think about the sort of people that Trove could work with in the future. And we define it around core insurance businesses that their core business is insurance. How do they win the future? Well, we believe they win the future by collaborating with insurtechs with big data owners. There's a, there's a core of businesses around the world that are many of them very, very new that need innovative insurance to do business. So the Ubers of this world, uh, the Airbnbs, I mean, they can they can win in this world of insurance in the future if they innovate the product and make it very personalised. And then you've got insurance what, distributors or big data owners. So in that side of the world where you've got the Amazons and the Facebooks and the Ebays, we believe they have a real role to play in, in future of insurance if they decide that they really want to. But they can't do it on their own. You know, so they're they're they've got massive data pools, trust, brand scores. But actually, if they decide that they want to do insurance, uh, we believe they'll have to work with the the Zurich's of this world, the techs of this world. So we define it slightly differently. That there maybe isn't one winner in the future of insurance. It's very relevant for the type of business. So you can then roll that across commercial lines as well. So there can be multiple winners or multiple futures of insurance, but. We, we believe a trove that actually the innovation across all markets is, is one of the most important things because as the millennial generation grows up and they'll be getting more and more powerful in our industries, then the need for innovation around digital experiences will, will come to the forefront. So to answer the question, uh, the future, we think it's the ecosystem. And it's uh, many of the players that want to play in it, including... You know, brokers, including insurance companies, insure techs, can all play a role in it, but it has to be working, as Arslan said earlier, collaboratively, you know, defining what the future of it looks like.
0: Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have another new face, Jenna Charajan from AXA Ventures. She's busy doing deals so this is a bit like Graham Norton, where someone joins a sofa a little bit later. You know, this is Janet. Who, who owns the future insurance?
5: Thank you. So who will own the future of insurance? Uh, for those who don't know me, I enjoy a very good relationship with AXA. But for the purpose of this conversation, I'm going to describe myself as an industry commentator. I think that's more fair. So what's to say to the world now? Incumbents are winning now. They already have the proverbial full stack that InsureTechs kind of aspired to have, or sort of the InsureTech 1.0 aspired to have. And quite frankly, some InsureTechs have been and gone, um, not naming any names. Uh, what's clear is that incumbents can't be replaced overnight. We've kind of seen this banking wave of neo banks, etc. That that was kind of what FinTech was defined to be. And it isn't as is as easy in insurance as it was in banking, or as simple to be a disruptor, Incumbents have taken a number of years to get to these behemoth balance sheets, and there exists a regular, regulatory moat too, and by this I mean you know, the, the solvency capital that they've acquired, the products that they have, the regulation around it. It is hard to just displace that overnight. Incumbents, though, also have a responsibility towards innovation and the overall advancement of the industry, which is what we're talking about, the future of insurance. Incumbents aren't perfect, and while they still have the insurance talent, it's probably challenging to actually recruit the technical talent, but entrepreneurial mindset is a different matter, and this still exists in the industry today. I'm not defending incumbents entirely. Um, incumbents still have to overcome a few challenges to become really future-proof. Legacy systems, uh, excuse or a reason or an opportunity for those of you who are keen, keen disruptors. Uh, defining own innovation strategies, and by this I mean, um, I mean we see a lot of innovation that happens or innovation prongs that certain um, businesses or tier one insurers have. We will see that post occasionally in coverager which kind of makes us think, is that that really a smart strategic move? And also, a side point, it's quite interesting that our industry has a tabloid blog. Um, If anybody's ever read coverage, I don't know how widely read it is, I certainly read it almost every day. It does read as a tabloid, and it's quite fascinating that our industry kind of commands that kind of interest, but I digress. Um, And lastly, and I don't know if I'm exactly allowed to say this, uh, being more collaborative. We see a lot of collaboration on the tech side of things, but we don't actually see it as much on the incumbent side. You don't really see uh, sort of tier one insurers working with one another. So they should really offer sandboxes for more startup or tech initiatives and also dialogue with other industry peers as well. I think these are some of the ingredients that will really push um, incumbents more into the future of insurance as well. But now I'm going to ask you some sort of reflective questions on, you know, Is it the disruptors? Is it the incumbents? Do insurtechs really replace or displace the entire value chain? Or are they kind of of best-of-breed solutions that kind of pick on particular points in the value chain or solve a particular problem? Has anyone really cracked what customers actually want? Is it just a vanity uh, sensation that we think that customers care this much about their insurance policy in the first place? So I'll I'll give you my sense on it. The future of insurance won't be InsurTechs at the expense of incumbents, nor will it be incumbents alone. In my opinion, incumbents will continue to be the bedrock of the market. Perhaps they will be a platform for innovators to underwrite and distribute their products. Customers will ultimately dictate whether or not their brand value will mean anything. But the infrastructural operational dominance of incumbents means that they will be the future of insurance. One last question. Is insuretech a response to exploiting efficiency gains in the insurance industry, or born out of genuine customer desire and need? You're in this room as an insurance industry participant, executive, disruptor, or enthusiast. From where I stand, and I, I open with this, I'm more of an industry commentator. Ultimately, it's not these hats that we wear that decide, it's the customer. And the customer would probably just settle for a status quo plus a little digitization and some better pricing but ultimately we're all customers as well
0: aren't we Thank you, Thank you Jenna. Great. Yeah.
6: You're going to come wind us up again so the unpopular question again or unpopular vote so the question this time I'll answer the question first and foremost again uh, who will own the future of insurance answer from my perspective other. And when I say other, I mean customers. So, hear me out. I've got the second time Chris has gone. Chris and I are on the same side. That's good. Right, so hear me, hear me out on this one. If we think anyone else other than the customer is going to win, God help us. We are stuck in a race to drive better products, more efficient, faster widgets that get compared on a comparison site, and we're racing to zero because everyone thinks they're all the same. So wowsers, we've just pissed off our entire customer base and put them into a mix that everyone compares the same things together. That is not the right answer. It is a race to zero, in my opinion. And if you're facing that race, then it's down to who's the most efficient manufacturer. And then you can ask the question, is it us as an insurance organization? Is it big tech? Is it ecosystem? Is it collaboration? How many of you, and you don't need to answer, but just, just have a think, have switched based on a bad experience or on price? You, the customer still wins you get the right to vote and choose to do so with your feet. In the words of the great Dirty Harry, go ahead, day, make my punk. Or make, go ahead, go ahead, punk, make my day. In <laughs> the words of the great Nigel Walsh, get it all wrong, right? But you get what I mean, right? We've all got it. We've got the letter through. Well, that's just rubbish. Straight onto a site, and we're off again straight away. We have full control. I've lost you all completely haven't I? <laughs> Answer other. Um, understanding the needs, and you mentioned it a minute ago, understanding the needs of your clients or customer, number one, is critical. Number two, understanding their unmet needs and working out what they actually need and want rather than putting them into a box and going, guess what, let's compare some more of the same widgets to put them all up there, is completely uh, important to me. It's their asset. What, what matters most? Me as an asset, my car, my um, thing I'm insuring, my time, the inconvenience, what bit, as an insurance organisation, can we wrap around the things that matter to take away that pain? Um, find your niece. Paul mentioned earlier, USAA. Great example for anyone who's not looked into them. Look at what they're doing. Fantastic example. Another one I came across recently was Haggerty Insurance. Haggerty are classic car um, specialists that happen to sell insurance. But they're the biggest insurance provider of all for classic cars. They send out something like 87 communications to their clients each year 87 jesus what are they doing and customers want them they want to engage go look at them they're really really interesting 52 of those of course are weekly newsletters but there's loads more insight into those ones bought by many right another great example find your niche 340 plus groups pet insurance someone with ailments or whatever else they found ways to work out what matters to people and started to take away the pain so customers win time and time again You've all heard um, Bezos, I get the quote right this time. Your your margin is my opportunity. What does that mean in our world? Have a think about that time and time again. I I worry, and I'm pleased to say, I guess, that InsurTechs, as we all know in this room, are unencumbered by legacy. It is our greatest gift to every single incumbent carrier. We are unencumbered by legacy. We can move at speed, and we haven't got the governance and process to run through. It doesn't mean to say it's impossible. But the unbundling race is almost over in banking, and the rebundling race has now started. What does that mean? I no longer want 30 apps to do 45 of the things on my phone. We'll want convenience. How does that then translate back into the insurtech world going forward? I'll finish on a few points. We have to get better as communications. Customers don't understand the things that we engage with them on. Um, we say 99% per the earlier debate because... People don't trust us. How do we reinstill those things in the first place? We have to speak English. I won't ask the room, because it's embarrassing when people ask people to do it. No one reads their bloody policies. Very few people read their policies. I'm conscious of the room of insurance people. Um, probably less so in this room than anywhere else. But they don't read them, because they just don't make sense. They're not written in plain English. Look at the efforts from the folks like Lemonade and stuff like that. The next one, we go to school and learn trigonometry, cos, sin, tan and we forget it really quickly. It's not relevant to our everyday lives going forward, most people's everyday lives going forwards. We don't teach kids about bank accounts. We don't teach kids about the value of insurance and what it actually does for them. A survey I did years ago looked at things like um, people that made claims called up, and one in four of the people that made a claim didn't know what an excess was. How is that even possible? You've bought a product, you've been through all the checks, and yet you still don't know what an excess is, number one. Number two, um, I think it was like 50% of the people would have given up a blood sample or a urine sample, they're literally taking the piss, for a lower premium, it is a really sad state of affairs when it gets to that level I'll finish on this one thing it feels to me that we have sometimes lost the understanding of our value and what it means to the customer, but as an insurance organisation we've not lost our values the ultimate winner here
0: is the customer Kinajo Louisa, this seems a bit cozy. Bought by many, uh, already got a nice name check. Your, your turn.
7: I always, I always come after you, and I'm not sure it's, uh, it's a good thing. Um, so, who will own the future of um, insurance? Um, my, future, my view is that the future of insurance will be owned by uh, the customer, so, it will be dictated actually by, uh, by the customer. And um, in the next few years, we'll see quite a lot of change um, in the role of you know the different players in uh, in the industry. Um, so let's start with the with the market. Um, especially PNC insurance is lagging economic growth. Um, if we look at the premium as a percentage of um, GDP, that is um, that is declining. Um, and that's the same trend across all lines, um, auto, liability, property, specialty, and both in mature market and uh, in developing markets. So it is a market that is actually um, uh, you know, not shrinking, but not growing as fast as the economy is growing. Um, the second thing is that technology um, has now reached a, a tipping point. Um, there are now some proven technologies that, um, an application that can reduce the, uh, the, the, the insurance risk. Um, I think, you know, a number of people have already mentioned before uh, all the things like Internet of Things and the risk prevention and everything that can be done in that, uh, in that space. Um, the nature of risk is also evolving, um, particularly in the commercial insurance um, space, um, with, with a shift from insuring tangible um, objects and tangible assets like you know, factories and uh, equipment um, to intangible assets like IP brand reputation, um, and I think a number of people have mentioned cyber insurance before, um, th- that actually crosses the boundaries of the existing uh, policies um, and require a broader solution uh, or in terms of risk management than just uh, uh, an insurance policy. Um, so what does that mean for for the players? Um, I think the critical skills that um, are going to be needed um, in the future are different from what is needed today um, so at the moment you know one of the critical skills is really the risk selection and the, um, and the underwriting um the technical and the writing skills. Um, well, in the future, I think the ability to provide a comprehensive service of package together uh, a, a solution that includes the, um, you know, the insurance, the cover of the risk, but is much broader. It comes from, you know, before the claim on risk prevention, uh, you know, the, you know, the claim experience itself, but the whole customer experience, um, uh, uh, you know, from from the beginning to an end. Um, and it needs to be a superior customer experience. So going back to the point that we had before, uh, the insurance industry is just not um, delivering on uh, a customer experience, cannot be the last in the list of the 14 um, industries. Um, So there will be a shift, um, I think, from the insurance company incumbents um, that at the moment uh, are doing everything, and they're doing everything themselves, um, to alternative models. And what that models will be, it's hard to predict, um, I think, at the moment, uh, but it would definitely be a combination of different players, uh, both from within and outside the industry. Um, And my guess is that it will be a different solution for um, different classes of business or different um, type of risks. Um, the role that each player um, will have in the future, and you know, with the players, uh, I include uh, the incumbents, the brokers, or the insurance companies, the brokers, um, uh, and uh, you know, the reinsurer and the insure attack, um, will really depend on um, who embraces these changes, uh, you know, fastest, fastest, and uh, in a most efficient way. Um, I, I think it, you know, it will all come down to will the insurance industry uh, still exist um, as an industry? Um, so, you know, clearly, you know, if we can all, uh, uh, you know, work together and uh, and and see uh, uh, and, and deliver on the customer experience, uh, the answer will be yes, and the role of different players will be uh, in, uh, influenced by. Um, how they deliver on the customer experience. Uh, but ins- there is a scenario where insurance will just be an add-on um, to other industries, to other services, and it will not actually exist as an industry itself. So clearly, and I'm not advocating for that scenario, but um, I think you know we need to um, consider that is a possibility.
0: Done. Thank you very much, Teresa. I didn't put no one at the bottom of the list who's going to own the future insurance no one uh it's worth raising thank you carl do you want to come so i'll be quite brief uh, because a lot has been said um the way we think about
8: uh owning insurance is that it's going to be pretty diversified we're excited about that because there are a lot of touch points which are going to create value Um, we think that uh, there's a trio of factors Um, you know your customer you know your risk and you know your cost uh, you know your customer is you know the incumbents. It's the Amazons, it's the car manufacturers, it's the product providers. We think that a lot of B2C is going to shift into B2B and B2B2C, um, and ultimately the one who has the kind of relationship with the customer is ultimately going to have a huge added value in insurance. Know your risk. Uh, hugely excited by that opportunity because that is we're touching upon the whole change in the uh, risk pricing, i.e. what is the actuarial industry of tomorrow going to look like? Uh, We have very little doubt that there's going to be a lot of uh, new correlations, a lot of new data, a lot of new uh, health parameters, uh, a lot of all kinds of new data which is going to emerge. Uh, And the ones who can create correlation between um, understanding the new data, the claims, um, history is going to be a big winner. Um, There's a lot happening, but frankly a lot of the correlation is not yet proven. Probably some of the biggest changes which we would expect to happen are going to be in the life insurance and the health insurance industry. We think that uh, health insurance and life insurance is going to have a strong uh, convergence, uh, which is going to be very difficult to dissociate going forward. Um, So, there again, know your risk in terms of how to price it. Uh, Just an enormous uh, number of players who are going to participate in this winning uh, equation. Um, and then thirdly, know your costs, I.e., uh, you know your costs, Be smart in processes. Reduce costs. Um, cooperate. Uh, scale up. Um, you know why is the insurance industry having to have you know 550 uh, processing centers? Um, you know across one country, or across one continent. Uh, there are going to be enormous kind of consolidation opportunities. Groupings of insurance um, uh, back offices, uh, et cetera, and so forth. Um, so ultimately, a, an interesting nucleus of different players who are going to emerge out of that. I think the incumbents are going to, be, uh, are going to stay important players, um, but are going to lose in their relevance. Um, uh, when you think of what the car industry is going to look like, probably most of the car insurance industry, car insurance is going to be sold through car manufacturers, um, et cetera and so forth. So um, an exciting place uh, to be and to invest. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Carl. Stephen, Stephen, and then I think that's it. Yes, you're last up. You Go for it. Yeah, go on, entertain us. There's no mic to drop. That's what I wanted, to be last up.
9: It's interesting, um, two words in the question, who owns the future of insurance, is owning and future. Um, and I think we've been playing around both these words quite a lot this evening. Um, when I think about what I was doing in 1995, I would recently graduated and I was thinking about my next job Well, Jeff Bezos borrowed $250,000 from his mum and dad and set up a bookstore in his garage. And now we wonder whether he's going to rule and take over this industry. And that was, when was 1995? That was, your mass is better than mine. If we roll, if we roll that, that kind of time scales forward, your mass is better than mine. But something around 2030. Any one of you in the room, or any person that I might meet that walks into our incubator and says I've got an idea, and asks for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or the equivalent, um, maybe has the potential to take over the future of this industry, just like Jeff Bezos did. And only five years, he didn't make profit for five years. I mean, he was he was skint, and all the definitions of future and owning, he didn't understand any of them. He was just. Dealing with the daily challenges of trying to start something and trying to prove he was right, and his idea was far bigger than books when he started, but he knew that's what he had to do. So, I'm kind of—I guess my first point is, um, in order to talk about the future, you maybe should just accept that the future is a little further away than tomorrow's, you know, deadline, tomorrow's metric, tomorrow's um, target in our own in our own in our own sight. Um, and we can look across the board into our recent digital history of all the new leaders and the new owners. I mean, we've, got, we've crowned these people. Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, visionaries, leaders, entrepreneurs. Um, and as if they don't belong in this debate, they all belong in this debate. And somebody from insurance and insurtech will come forward and these people will exist if we allow them in. So let's change the definition of a future and let's t- change the definition of ownership. Because um, the short term is so bloody defeating. There's always a negative answer when you look at the short term. Every startup is not going to hit the kind of numbers of customers that you as incumbents are after. And you as people trying to inspire your organizations are never going to get the attention of the people at the top because your numbers aren't big enough, your plan's not big enough, and the risk is too high. So who owns a future? Um, maybe it's a combination of people, and I'm not going to use the word collaboration because I'm about to break that in half, but there's something about... Um, the power of entrepreneurs to make things start, and the power of people who are incumbents to become enablers. So decide which one you want to be. Be an entrepreneur or be an enabler. I don't think the word incumbent should be really used anymore. It's a negative word. It says short termist, says I've got something to protect. Um, let's say that the insurance industry and the technology industries, all just agreed, let's just be enablers and let's look around for people who are going to set a path for really changing the future market. Um, So I want everybody to finish this evening and say, how can I be an enabler? Do I know an entrepreneur? And if not, where the hell are they? Thank you.
0: Tim, thank you. Very good way to finish, very collaborative. Result: Ecosystems clear winner, uh, which doesn't surprise me really. Forty-seven percent. Other thirty percent. Big tech eleven. Insurers—it's a bad day out for insurers. Seven percent. There must be some brokers here. That's a first. Uh, No, there aren't any. Oh, there is one. Yeah, there. So you voted. How many times did you vote? Seven percent. Oh, it's the worst day for InsureTech. guys. We're wasting our time. Three percent. Anyway, we tried. Um, no, I, I'm very much with the camp, uh, Stephen. I thought you summed it up nicely. I mean, actually, of course, it's actually we're all going to own it because we're all going to play our part in developing the insurance industry of the future. Will you all join me in thanking those speakers? We had a great range tonight. Uh, really good guys. Thank you uh, to the sponsors, of course, Novadair and SAS. You know, these things um, are made by, uh, uh, by them and, and wouldn't happen without them. So we really, really appreciate that. And last of all, thank you to all of you. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. and We hope to see you again. Thank you. Well, I think the message from that was very clear. Ultimately, no one's going to own the future of insurance other than the customer. The customer will determine our future. And it's the customer we're going to have to work with. My very great thanks to all these speakers, that was a fabulous evening and I look forward to having you all back here another day. Our next event will be on the 19th of November, we're going to have a clinic for insurance, we very much hope that many of you will be able to join us there, look forward to seeing you.